it's great to be with you tonight. My name's uh, Nick Van Ruth. I'm the Young Adults Pastor here at Hills Baptist Allgate. Um, and it's great to be starting a new series with you. And let, it, let me begin it with uh, posing a, a rhetorical question to you. How do you know you're fulfilling your destiny and purpose? How do you know if you're fulfilling your destiny and purpose? That what you are doing, that uh, the things you're putting your effort in and all that, are you uh, doing what you've been called to do? Uh, the question of how do you confirm your calling? What you've been called to do, what you're called to be, think, do, say, career, uh, path, how you act. Are you doing what you're meant to be doing? Are you fulfilling your destiny? How do you confirm your calling? We're starting a new series in uh, the letter of 2 Peter. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, we finished up a series in 1 Peter towards the end of um, uh, the online church season that we had. Uh, and, and there we um, unpacked a letter written by the Apostle Peter, written to scattered Christians around the um, Asia area, around like modern day Turkey. And uh, Peter wrote a letter to these scattered Christians who were isolated, they were persecuted. Uh, they, they were scattered, very similar situation. We were at the time scattered and isolated with COVID. And Peter wrote a letter to encourage them to re remain strong and stand firm in that season. Uh, he wrote a letter to them to remind them of the hope that they have, a living hope of a God who saved them and a God who's going to come again. And he, and he wrote a letter to help them think about how that worked out in their lives, uh, in how they act in the workplace, how they interact with the government, how they um, behave in their families, how they um, interact with people outside the church and how they lead and submit inside the church. It was a great series. I'd really encourage you to go and listen to it. A few, quite a few here were involved in um, bringing that series to us, which was awesome. But now we're going to uh, continue that in Peter's second letter, his second letter where he picks up from where he left off. And in Peter's second letter, there's this overarching theme of uh, Jesus' imminent return. He's coming back soon. And so it raises this question for us, of how do we live in the last days before Jesus' return? And that adds a whole other element to my question from before. How do we uh, confirm our, our, that we're fulfilling our destiny and purpose, knowing that Jesus is coming back soon? What if Jesus were to, to return tomorrow? Would he be happy with uh, what we're doing with our lives? What if he comes back in a thousand years? Would he be happy with what we're doing to, to prepare for the future? It's a complex question. And that's what this first chapter Peter is exploring, is how to confirm our calling. In 2 Peter 1.10, he refers to confirming our calling or making sure our calling and election is sure. And so we're going to um, unpack this together. Uh, so do open up your Bibles or, or on your phones, bring up 2 Peter chapter 1. And we're going to look at this. We're going to see first, uh, it's up to God. And then second, it's up to us. And then third, we'll look at how we work that out. All right, so there's a rough structure of where we're going. But why don't you read from me? We'll skip ahead to verse 3 after Peter's intro and just read the, uh, the third and fourth verse. Peter says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence 
by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. All right, there's quite a few things to flesh out here. Uh, so, so stay with me. The first one is, what is our calling? What is it that we are called to? Because that word, calling, is something that's a word that's thrown around a lot in Baptist circles. I don't know if you picked it up, but it's a word that we say a lot. Like, oh, I'm called to go be a doctor. Or I'm called to go to this people group. Or I'm called to go do this mission trip. Or I'm called to do this thing or, or that thing. Or called to uh, follow this career. And we often use it almost synonymously as career. What we do and what we do as a job is, is our calling. And sometimes, actually quite, probably a lot of the time, we might use that to justify careerism. That uh, our calling is used as, as an excuse, or the word that we use, calling is used as an excuse to justify bad life habits. Like I'm, you know, me uh, as, as um, a pastor, I'm called to be a pastor. Can I use that as an excuse to, to neglect my role as a husband or a father, or, or even neglect my own relationship with God? What is our first calling? The reality of that language is that it's not used in that way in the Bible. It's not used to refer to a career or, or even what we might do. The, when the Bible uses the word calling, it refers to God calling us to himself. God calling us to himself. And we see that really clearly in our passage tonight. So our calling is not to go and do great things and to do awesome and amazing things for Jesus. Our calling is to behold the greatness and glory of God. And we saw that in verse 3. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his glory and excellence. It's not that we go do excellent and glorious things. So we behold the glory and excellence of God. Peter tells us he's, God's granted us that calling. He's given us that calling through the precious and great promises. The promises of the Old Testament, the promises of Christ and what he's done. He's called us into his family. It's not, so our calling is not something we live up to, that we need to achieve or uh, yeah, live up to. Our calling is something that God has done to draw us to himself and so right on the on the um, front end of this sermon I want to correct our thinking I want to correct and, and change our language uh, change our language and our thinking about calling and it's not to say that there isn't a place for discernment for um, working out what our gifts are and our uh, passions and our desires and um, what we're good at, what people encourage in us, and what the needs of our community are, and what the needs of the world are. They are all good things to, to investigate and to think about and discern and to pray about and to act on. And in that sense, a calling is good. But it's important to remember that's not the, what the Bible refers to when it, says, when it uses the term calling. What God is most concerned about in our lives is that we are faithful, that we live a life that reflects the God who saves us. 
In verse uh, 4, Peter says, uh, so that through these promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that's in the world because of sinful desire. Right? We become partakers of the divine nature, that we participate in God's nature and, and what, he, what he's like. So the goal is that we reflect the God who saved us and that we're to be distinct from the world that we're saved from. Let me repeat that. The goal is that we reflect the God who saved us and that we're distinct from the world that we're saved from. For someone who's transformed by the gospel, by the good news that Jesus has saved us and called us out of the world into his family, their lives reflect that gospel, reflect that reality that they're called out of the world and into the family of God. It's a bit like, but not entirely like, in the movies or stories or um, uh, often in the past when someone is saved from the brink of death. So, you know, a, a cliff get, falls and someone's about to fall and out of nowhere there's this hero that saves a person and, and then the, the person who saves says to their savior, I owe you my life. And then that, that, that person who's saved then serves their savior the rest of their lives because their, their life now belongs to their savior because they owe them their lives. But that's, that's not quite like Christianity. That's not quite like Jesus' saving of us. Although that is all true, uh, we know from the story of the prodigal son that, that David um, uh, shared a couple of weeks ago that uh, God doesn't bring us in to be slaves. He doesn't bring us into his family to be slaves. He brings us into his family to be his children, to belong to him. We are saved to be a child of God. We're saved out of the world into the family of God. And so we act like a family member. We take on the divine nature. We reflect the character of God who saved us because we are now restored as his children. And that's what Peter is on about. He says his divine, in verse 3, the beginning of verse 3, his divine power is granted to us all things to pertain to life and godliness. God has given us everything we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus, through knowing that Jesus has come to save us from this corrupt and broken world into his family. Now, let's, um, let's just jump on that word godliness because this was, this was quite a light bulb moment for me. And, um, and just to... Yeah, say it. I am learning heaps uh, through God's word, particularly this way. Godliness. I used to understand godliness as uh, living a really moral life of doing all the things that God would do and always acting like God would act. And, um, and it became about uh, what I did and what I would do. But as I researched the word and looked at what it actually meant, it act, it's not about what we do. It's about who we devote ourselves to. It's not about doing things, it's about devotion. The word like, literally means being devoted to God. Uh, one um, Bible dictionary uh, refers to it as loyalty, awesome respect accorded to God. And so a godly life is one devoted to God, seeking after Him, His, his person, His purposes, and God's character then follows. Our, as we devote ourselves to God, what we do 
changes. And it's not, so it's not that if we want to be a better Christian, if we want to have more faith, if we want to be more godly, we just need to do more things. The answer to being more godly is to devote ourselves to God. And so our calling, living up to our purpose, is not up to us. It's up to God. God is the one who's called us. God is the one who's done the work. He's drawn us to himself. He's, he's brought us into his family. And he's brought us to that place and purpose he has for us. For us. Our calling is God's work. And so one part of confirming our calling is recognizing that God has done it. God has brought us to the place where we need to be in his family. But it's not just up to God. It's not, we have a part to play as well. It's not like we just say, Jesus, take the wheel. Does anyone remember that song? Or anyone remember the meme? Um, no doubt you'll go look it up later tonight. You know, Jesus, take the wheel. Just, I'll just wait here and Jesus, you just take me and do your magic. Or, or just let go and let God. Maybe you've heard that. No, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility. It's God's work, but we have a responsibility too. We belong to God and he's done the work to bring us into his family. Now we must become like we belong. Uh, God works, but we have work to do too. Uh, the Apostle Paul, so not Peter, but uh, one of the other apostles who wrote a large part of the New Testament in Philippians, in his letters to the Philippians, chapter 2, uh, 12 and 13, he puts it this way. He says to the Philippians, continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you uh, to will and act in order to fill his good purpose. Right? Continue to work out your salvation because it's God who works in you. There's that balance. Uh, it's God's work, but we have work to do too. And what is that work? What is that work to do? It's building our character on the promises of God. And so Peter tells us to make every effort, from verse 5, make every effort to work hard. He says, uh, for this reason, make every effort to supplement or to add on to your faith virtue, and with virtue, knowledge, and with knowledge, self-control, and with self-control, steadfastness or perseverance, uh, with steadfastness, godliness or devotion, and with godliness, uh, brotherly and sisterly or mutual affection. And onto a mutual affection, love. Now, I, um, uh, my son Josh, who might be watching tonight, because uh, I, I noticed my parents were watching before and they're taking care of him. Uh, thanks, Mum and Dad. Uh, uh, he um, loves playing with Duplo at the moment, uh, building blocks. And thanks, Josh, if you're watching, for letting me borrow your um, Duplo. I wanted to demonstrate this idea. And we'll see how it goes. Um, but just to help us think about what's, what's the point of all this. Um, so building our character. The first thing we need to do is, is, is our faith. The foundation is our faith, that it's up to God. It's uh, Jesus' work in us. And it's not just that we believe the right thing, but our virtue changes as well our worldview, our desires, our values, as we uh, realize the reality that we're saved, that we're 
uh, say, from the world into God's family, our values and virtue changes to reflect the faith that we have. And as our worldview and virtue changes, uh, we see the world with different eyes and we grow in knowledge. And the, the, the scriptures are opened up to us and we realize more and more truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us, what he's promised to us. And as we realize those things, as we grow in knowledge, uh, we can grow in self-control, denying ourselves of the desires of the world because we know we have the knowledge of what God has in store for us. And as we grow uh, in self-control and that discipline and um, denying ourselves, we uh, grow in perseverance. As we continue to do that, we, we grow in resilience and continue um, uh, denying ourselves, growing in faith, and, and being able to continue uh, persevering in the world that we find ourselves in. And as we continue persevering and sticking at it, we become more devoted to God, godliness, as, which is the, the big overarching banner of this whole point is being devoted to God, a life devoted to God. Some of you probably know where this is going. <laughs> Too bad if you're listening to the podcast later. Uh, that's why I should come to church on time. No, um, we love you podcast listeners. As we, as we devote ourselves to God, uh, we, we, our eyes are lifted to see God's people. And we begin to love them as, as God loves them and, and begin to have affection for them as our own family. And as we uh, become affectionate for, for God's family and people, we, that affection turns out into practical, sacrificial love. We start doing things for one another, serving, loving one another. And you see the point, or the point I'm trying to make. What's the center of, of this growth and this character? What's it all based on? And for those listening at home, hopefully you can see, see it on the screen. For those listening, it's a cross. It's a cross. The way to grow our character, how we confirm our calling, and become more godly, more devoted to God, is to center ourselves on Jesus, on the cross, on what he's done for us. And in that, live a life that reflects the gospel, that reflects the God who saves us. Because Peter says those who have these qualities, in the next verse, those who have these qualities, this is, um, their, sorry, their, uh, let, me, let me read it, for, for verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right? So if we have these qualities and we're growing in these qualities, that's a fruitful life. That's fulfilling our purpose. That's, this is what we're meant to live. A life transformed reflects the God who's transformed them. And it's if you're growing. It's not if you've got it sorted. No one here has, has it sorted. It's if you're growing in these things. And even there, there's some amazing people here who we could look to and say, wow, look, look at their perseverance. Look at their love for others. Even those, and I know those here would say, I still need to grow. We are all growing uh, in this. And that's what sanctification is. That big uh, theological term, sanctification, 
is growing to be more like Jesus. It's God's work in us, but we have work to do there too. And for those who don't have these qualities, uh, Peter says in verse 9, those who lack these qualities are nearsighted uh, because they've forgotten that they were cleansed from their former sins. Right? Those who lack these qualities, who aren't growing these qualities, the reason is because we don't see Jesus. We don't uh, recognize what Jesus has done for us or we forget that. So let's think about these qualities, these different, these different things that Peter is encouraging us to grow in. Which of these are we strong in? Which of those uh, come naturally to us? Which of these do we lack? And what's, what's behind that? So are we, are we slow to love other people because we lack affection for them? That we, we forget that these are our brothers and sisters? Do we forget and, and lack that affection because we lack devotion to God? That we've lost our calling to, to devote our lives to Him? Do we, do we lack devotion because we lack perseverance? Because life is so tough and to keep going is hard. Do we lack perseverance because we lack self-control? We lack self-control. We give in to the desires of this world. We indulge ourselves too often. So uh, to persevere, uh, it just becomes harder and harder for us. Do we lack self-control because we forget the promises God has for us? Because we lack knowledge of who God is, what Jesus has done for us. Do we lack that knowledge? because we lack the virtue, the values, the, the transformed heart that comes uh, from being saved? And do we lack that because we lack faith, that we don't believe that what Jesus has come to do for us and for the whole world is true? What's the question behind all of this? Do we see Jesus? Do we see Jesus? And so how do we confirm our calling? How do we ensure that we're fulfilling our destiny and purpose in this life? Is We look to Jesus. The work he has done in me and in all of us, and then we put it into action. In faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, affection, and love. We live lives that reflect the God that saves us. Peter says if we practice these things, we won't fall, that we won't lose our calling, we won't forget who we are, we won't be fooled by false teachers that he talks about later, we won't fall away and forsake the God who's called us, who saved us. But we will enter into the kingdom of God when Jesus returns and when he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, Peter, these next few verses, 11 to 15, Peter uh, shares how he's written this to remind uh, these scattered Christians. Like, they already know. And a lot of, lot of people here already know what I'm talking about. Like, hopefully, this is not brand new information for most of you. Yet, we still need to hear it, don't we? We still need to hear it. We need to be reminded. So, Peter says, I will continue to remind you 
And, uh, and he says, well, what authority do I have to remind you of these things? Well, how, how could I remind you and be so insistent on these things? And he says, um, uh, yeah, and, and he reflects on, on how do we confirm our calling? How do we live a life reflective of this God who saved us? Well, there's two ways to do that. Two ways. Where does Peter point? He points to the gospel moment and to God's word through scripture. So the first one, the gospel moment from verse 16. If you want to read it with me. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we were made known to you by the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, but we were eyewitnesses to his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father and the voice was borne to him by the majestic God, glory, who was God, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on that holy mountain. So Peter can say with such great authority to point people to Jesus because Peter was there on that mountain where Jesus was transfigured. Now, the transfiguration is an is a, 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 um, event in the, the life of Jesus where Jesus went up a mountain with uh, three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And he went a mountain with just those three. And when they got to the top, Jesus was joined by Elijah and Moses from the Old Testament, the great prophet and the writer of the law, like the two pillars of the Old Testament. And Jesus uh, was transfigured, he was transformed. He came so white that the disciples could barely look at him. He was just so enthralled with the glory and majesty of God. And then a voice from heaven came that, that we heard Peter recount here. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. Peter witnessed that moment. And in that moment, Peter knew that this man, Jesus, was the son of God coming into the world to save the world. He, he is the one that God is pleased with. He beheld the majesty and the glory of God in the man, in the person of Jesus. That was his gospel moment where he fully realized and reflected on, could point to God shining the light of the gospel in his heart where he recognized who Jesus was. And so for us, what is our gospel moment? The moment that dawns on us who Jesus is, that uh, his glory shines into our heart. It illuminates and we realize that we are broken. We are um, helpless. But God so loved us that he sent Jesus to save us and that we are made new. And we have, we have that account, that story of, of Jesus in the four Gospels, in the first part of the New Testament, those four accounts of Jesus' life. We have that information. We have that account of, of sharing of, of who Jesus was, the person of Jesus, where he came and did amazing things, defying physics, healing people, forgiving sins, raising people from the dead, he himself rising from the dead. And in it, we see Jesus going and dying, uh, though he was innocent, he died on a cross. He died willingly. He died willingly so that he could take uh, the brokenness of the world, the sin of the world, and actually deal with it, pay for it, so that we could be forgiven. And he rose again, 
rose from the dead once and for all, defeating our greatest enemy, death. So that we no longer have to fear what's in our future because we know because of Jesus' resurrection, we have new life. We have uh, eternal life with him. We belong to him. He's called us into his family. And we have a place with him forever. I'm going a little bit off track here, but I I think it's good. (laughs) And he's coming again. And he's coming again. And so while we're living in this world, while we're living in this world, saved but distinct from this world, how are we going to live? How do we confirm our calling? One way is to look back and look at who Jesus is, reminding ourselves, reflecting, renewing, Uh, the reality of who Jesus is and what he's done. The second thing that Peter points to in in, uh, reminding them to confirm their calling and and the second way he points to the promises and the the person of Jesus is uh, to the prophets. He says, uh, you know, first we have that, this eyewitness account, but then second we, from verse 19, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. We have the prophets. We have the prophetic word. And what he's most likely referring to is the Old Testament, the prophets of old who actually prophesied about this coming Messiah, this person who would come and save the world once and for all. And, and that's been confirmed because Jesus has come. And all that, all, there's all these prophecies that he fulfilled and more to come. Promises that are yet to be fulfilled, but we can be confident in that. And so we have the prophetic word to turn to. And Peter says, we would do well, uh, to, we would do well to pay attention to this book as a lamp shining in a dark place. Now, I don't know about your experience uh, when in the middle of the night, you need to go to the toilet. And uh, I imagine... For a lot of you, that's just a matter of getting out of bed, going to your bathroom and going to the toilet and going back to bed, going to sleep. Uh, but when you have young children, uh, it's a, quite a bit harder because you get out of bed and then there's um, Duplo all over the floor and then uh, trains over here and then uh, there's wet towel, towels from bath time. And it's, it's, it's a much harder obstacle course, all right? And so if, for, for me, when, if I need to get out of bed and go to the toilet, I, grab my phone and use the torch. I use a light to guide my path, to navigate through that dark place. If you've ever been out camping or, uh, or in, a, in a dark situation, like it's not a hard concept to grasp. We need light to guide us. We need light to guide us in dark places. And the world we live in is a corrupt world. It's corrupted by sinful desires. We need a light to guide us. And Peter says that light, that lamp, is God's Word. This, the, the very Word of God, the Bible, is what we need to turn to to guide us through this life. We would do well to pay attention to it, to read it, to listen to it. I don't know if you've ever, um, you know, not everyone is an avid reader, but everyone listens. So if you're not an avid reader, I'd recommend go look up a Streetlights Bible or audio Bibles. Oh, there's, there's many ways that we can pay attention to this book. We can memorize it, committing it to memory. We can read it to each other. The Spirit 
teaches us through the word. And that is all until the morning star rises in our hearts. The morning star, in, later on in the Bible, right at the end, Revelation 22, talking about Jesus' return, it refers to Jesus as the morning star rising. And so an interesting thought I had preparing um, for the sermon is, is, will we need the Bible in heaven? When Jesus returns, will we need God's word? Well, will, will we need the Bible? Well, maybe not, because when Jesus returns and he makes all things new once for all, and he's there physically, no more do we need to search the scriptures to hear God's voice because we will be in his presence, his physical presence, God's presence. He'll be telling us, showing us, being with us. And that's a reality we can look forward to. But it's not a reality yet. So in the meantime, we will do well to pay attention to the lamp that God has left us in his word to navigate this world. And so how do we know if we're living up to our purpose in this world? How do we confirm our calling? Well, first, we need to clarify that calling. Our calling is to be saved. It is to come into God's family. And that is achieved through Jesus. And our calling is to live a life that reflects that. And that's something that we, we should work hard at, should be active in pursuing a life that reflects the God who saved us. And we do that by looking at Jesus, by seeking after Jesus, by continually, go, continually going back to the cross, reflecting on the, the, how we're saved by Jesus alone. as he's revealed to us in his word. And we use that word, that, that scripture, to navigate and, and to live uh, in this world. And so I wanted to end tonight uh, by, by sharing communion. And I think it's a really important uh, ordinance or, or ritual, a, a really important um, tradition that Christians have been doing for 2,000 years. It's one that Jesus himself left us. And it's not just a symbol, uh, you know, the bread and the cup. It's not just symbolic that we, you know, we think about Jesus, but we actually participate. I think it's much more than just a symbol. We're actually participating, reflecting and remembering what God has done and, and taking that on and thinking about it deeply, remembering and, that, and in that having a gospel moment, remembering what God has done, lifting our eyes to, to see and remember what Jesus has done for us, looking at the cross, his body broken for us, his blood shed for us, so that we could be forgiven. And in doing that, we're drawn into his family. We now belong to God. And so we're going to finish, uh, well, I'm finish the sermon tonight sharing in communion, uh, sharing this meal. And if... Uh, this is for those who trust in Jesus as their saviour and, and resolve to live a life that reflects the God that saves them. And if that's not yet you, uh, then this is not yet for you. But perhaps you might want to reflect 
on who is this Jesus? Have you had that gospel moment? Have you realized the reality that God loves you? That he's come into the world to save you? That he calls you into his family? And so in a moment, um, uh, I'll, I'll move the lectern and then we'll come and we'll take a bit of bread and uh, take a cup. We, we'll eat the bread in our own time, but hang on to the cup we'll drink together because this is something we do together. This is not for individuals. It's for us as a community, as God's family. And uh, we've got um, gluten-free uh, bread and regular bread. I do hope we've got enough regular bread. I was saying before, I was nervous that <laughs> didn't quite cut it up enough, but you know, God provides. <laughs> I was listening to Mark's sermon this morning. <laughs> so why don't we do this? Uh, perhaps if the band comes first and then uh, can help us reflect on who Jesus is and let us join together celebrating, participating in what Jesus has done saving us by his bloody and his blood, calling us into his family. You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.